Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up where we left off in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. And we're at chapter 18. And so that you understand, just in case it's your first time reading with me, when I say the Gospels or um, read letters, it's referring to things that Jesus actually had to say. And like I said before, Jesus' words only appear in six of the 60 plus books in the Bible, so making it less just under a tenth or a tithe of what the entire Bible has to say about Christianity, and that's from Christ's mouth himself, at least according to the narratives. So that's what we focus on here on the Naked Truth on our Saturday readings, and that's why we're now in the first book of the New Testament, and we're going to begin at verse 1 of chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So, this would be in modern terms, clout chasing. The disciples are wondering who's going to be the big man, who's going to be the one who really makes a name for themselves in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture of things when it comes to the kingdom of God. Verse 2, then Jesus called the little child to him, set him in the midst of them. So, the disciples are asking who's, how to be the greatest. Jesus answers by finding a little child verse 3 and said assuredly I say to you unless you are converted and become as little children you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven so Jesus is saying here unless people have a change of heart namely even the disciples in what they consider greatness it seems to me to be what Jesus is saying um, they won't even get into the kingdom of heaven and that's Jesus saying this directly to the disciples so imagine how we stand on the big picture uh, in the big, big picture of things as people who did not walk alongside Jesus through his suffering, his ministry, and his resurrection and so forth. Verse 4, Therefore whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying if you really want to clout chase and be the big man, then behave as if you're the littlest, the least among us. Take on that persona rather than the high and haughty persona if you want to actually reach an elevated exalted state in the kingdom of heaven verse 5 oops sorry pressed the wrong button there verse um, 5 whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me so it seems to me what Jesus is saying there is in our care for and taking care of younger people the children um, or those who are like children, because remember Jesus says become like children, so not necessarily just little kids, but those who actually take the humble path like a child would. Um, in that way, we receive Jesus, and in that way, we, it's like we're ministering to Jesus. Those are the moments where God is watching maybe even more intently to see how it is we deal with such, whether it be children or people who've made ourselves like children are people who are born without the faculties to be anything more than childlike. Um, those are the moments Jesus watches to see how it is we'll perform and how faithful we'll be to what it is Christianity actually calls for. Um, verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he would drown in the depth of the sea. So Jesus it seems to be to me to be saying there that it's a very, very dangerous thing 
to abuse mis or mislead children and specifically it, Jesus is saying into sin causes one of one of the little ones to sin so since we've already established he's not just talking about little children but people who make who are obedient to what he says in making ourselves like little children humbling ourselves like little children if someone turns around and abuses that say like how you've seen these different scandals with the um um legacy religions that have been exposed as nothing but child molestation um, corporations that basically are government subsidized as their I think it's 501c3s to be in business of systematically molesting children from generation to generation and not just one religion just one religion gets the lion's share of the reputation but here recently other religions have taken uh, have shown themselves to be just about the same and it's unfortunate and it's actually what Jesus is warning about here and that it'd be better for you if you were to drown in the ocean in the sea than to be the ones responsible for um, leading little children uh, leading little ones humble ones into sin because of abuse like that will cause a lot of people for one thing to turn away from religion altogether thinking that well if the people who represent religion are the ones doing things like that or calling for things like that to be done or covering up for things like that being done then what's the point in being involved in religion at all and it's similar to the same sort of message i got as a lgbt uh, under that umbrella member um, that if you're if you're under the umbrella you're going to hell anyway so it's like well that's not actually what Jesus says but it's what is taught by many different religions and it will cause people to fall into sin because you'll think well what's the point if you're damned if you do if you and you're damned if you don't then you might as well go ahead and do and enjoy yourself along the way rather than deprive yourself of something um, just because you think that's going to get you in heaven when there's no chance for you your soul being saved in the first place not true at all but yet that's what t uh, preachers and teachers and churches will teach and have people led into sin in that way verse 7 woe to the world because of offenses for offenses must come but woe to that man by whom the offense comes Jesus is saying there uh, that one of the worst things to happen to the world woe to the world is that you that those offenses spring up and then cause people to fall into that sin or even fall away from faithfulness altogether verse 8 if your hand or foot causes you to sin cut it off and cast it from you it is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire so jesus is saying i think a couple of things here he's saying that literally if your hand or foot is causing you to sin then uh, cut it off because it's better for you to go to have soul salvation than whole damnation it's better for your your inner being to make it to the higher place than for your whole being both hands and both feet all together to go down to the lower places to the burning depths that sort of thing but I think what Jesus is saying short of that do what you have to do to cut off some evil from you so if if it boils down to even your right hand or your right foot then sure go ahead and do that but for most situations for many situations 
It's something a lot less close to you than that. It's often a friend, a family member, a situation, a, 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 and even a, a work situation. It's something that is much less drastic than amputation. So if you're going to be willing to even cut off your own limbs to avoid sin and the pits of death and hell, then be willing to actually be to cut off something not as drastic, not as connected to you as that. Uh, even some sort of toxic relationship, friendship, or involvement in something. Verse nine: If your and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast in the hellfire. So just like with the hand or your foot, the same thing with your eye. Hopefully, you can get to the point we can get to the point where we recognize the toxic toxicity of something before you have to pluck it out but just like with amputation sometimes you don't tend to it fast enough and it simply has to be amputated for the life of the entire organism the hand has to be cut off or the foot has to be cut off or some other limb has to be cut off similarly when it comes to the salvation of our souls it may come down to waiting too long to prune something out of our lives and then that thing having to be, having to be completely uh, uh, cut off from our lives for the life of the plant, for the life of the organism, for the betterment of the soul. Certain things, elements, people may end up having to be amputated in order for the whole being to make it. Verse 10, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, be particularly careful in how it is we approach the youngins. Not just young in age, but young in faith. People who have humbled themselves in the faith rather than taking the haughty path. Be careful how it is you deal with people like that because they're in a delicate, delicate position. And because they're in that, they're putting themselves, we're putting ourselves in that delicate position in pursuit of something higher so be careful in trying to hurt people who are on that higher mission that higher road because it's even more egregious it seems to be as and it gets the lord's attention more rapidly it seems to be as what it's saying with the angels always seeing the face of our father in heaven verse 11 for the son of man has come to save that which was lost so jesus is pointing there at the um big picture idea of what his mission is it's uh to save those who are lost because again there's a lot of bad religion out there misleading people down evil downward paths that uh have nothing to do with what christianity actually says has nothing to do with what jesus christ actually says but has everything to do with bad religion and roping people into that thinking into believing some things are offenses when they actually aren't and believing other things are perfectly okay when they're actually uh, damnable so you have to keep things clear in your in our minds when it comes to approaching faith verse 12 what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strange so Jesus is saying there, just like with someone who has a flock of sheep, if they're attentive to the care of their sheep, they're going to notice when even one of them goes missing, when even one of them goes astray. 
verse 13 and if he should find it as surely i say to you he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray so being attentive to the flock and caring for their well-being the shepherd notices when even one of those 99 goes astray even though it seems like there's a whole lot in the flock uh, even one is noticed in the shepherd's eyes so i think the message there is to stay faithful to the shepherd stay in the flock and we've read again and again by according to jesus how to do that is to know concerning the doctrine whether it is from god in that way we hear the shepherd's voice and then and we'll recognize it. and then if it's not we'll turn away from it because we know it's not a genuine message from christ the shepherd himself verse 14 even so it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish so Jesus is saying, just like people are attentive to their pets, the Lord is attentive to the flock that the Lord calls us Christians, that we won't be lost. And if if by some chance on our own paths we stray away and find ourselves lost at different times, then the shepherd will look for us. But we have to be willing to uh, be found and not be willing to be lost verse 15 moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he hears you you've gained your brother it's like i've said before with the fallings out in my own family it, i've tried this approach where you try and talk to them one-on-one -on -one, and sometimes they'll pretend in the case of my brother like oh, okay you're right i'll leave it alone but then behind your back still be against you or in the case of my sister the one who would um has her own church where all the, those different people passed away from COVID infection early on in the pandemic, um, how she won't even pretend to be on your side, but has to get called out directly for her to relent in her ways. I've run into both cases and tried these techniques with both and with mixed results with both. Um, but verse 16, but if he will not hear you here, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established so when it came to two or three more witnesses i didn't even have much choice in that one because the people who my brother and sister in the case this case took it upon themselves to make a public issue of their beef with me something i didn't even have anything to do with but just has to do with how they feel about me so in that sense they brought two or three other witnesses there who didn't side with them, but they didn't side with me that they silently stood by and said nothing as I was verbally attacked, um, which says something to me about the people who stood around and watched it and didn't intervene. But not just that they may or may not have sided with me and how I feel or been empathetic to my feelings and being the attempts at being bullied, but also that they may have been afraid themselves and uh, survivors of different types of bullying over the years that that's their reaction to just freeze up just like a lot of people when they see violence uh, spring out around them publicly like I, I remember a couple of months ago or maybe a few months ago now where some woman was being sexually assaulted on one of the public transportation systems and it was caught on video and there were people around who stood around and watched it but or saw it happening didn't, didn't it didn't intervene different people do different things like that because of their own uh, traumas throughout life and then some also out of cowardice and some out of uh, uh, um, out of not caring some i forget the word apathy 
um, so different people have different reasons for doing their different things or not doing different things in those situations. Um, so, but the point being, I tried this same approach with more than one sibling and again had different results. But ultimately, verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And that's basically where those two siblings, not them, only them, but specifically, specifically those two are on my radar now. We, um, I think the only contact I really have with them is a sibling group text that they don't even realize they're being shady to each other in. There's one group text that includes um, both of those two, but then there's another group text that excludes one of them intentionally. And it's just, to me, it shows in the big picture, grand scheme of things, how people really are. They're no more real with each other than they are with me. And yet they think they're being uh, alike with each other when really the only likeness they're sharing is a phony streak. And like 50 Cent said, who needs that fake love? I'm not looking for that. That's not something that I feed on. Verse 18, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I think what Jesus is saying there is like a, like what he says when it came to um, giving Peter sort of the authorities that he said he would be given as far as having keys to the kingdom of heaven that and things being bound on earth being bound in heaven or loosed on earth loosed in heaven. I think what Jesus is saying here is speaking sort of dimensionally that the different things we hold on to in this current path we're experiencing in the space-time continuum may or may not affect the different paths that in our, our other um, simultaneous yet differentiated space-time continuum experience. Meaning, and I guess as simply as I can say it, that if you hold on to a grudge in this um, existence, this lifetime that we're holding on to, or that we're a part of now, um, if you hold on to it in the divine sense, it's in a sense not forgiving, um, then it, it holds in that spiritual realm also. But if there's a willingness, an obedience in forgiving it, even if you don't continue the relationship with the uh, different uh, person who's offended you, um, even if you forgive it, but let it go, that also affects the uh, the other dimensions, the higher dimensions, the spiritual realms where we exist uh, on a different plane, but at the same time, or at least in a different dimension, but along the same correlation of events. I think that in that sense, we have a higher hand than we realize in um, forgiveness and holding grudges and sorts of things. I think that must be where that's played out. Verse 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So it seems to me that Jesus is saying there, there's power in numbers in coming together in faith and in numbers for a certain cause. And that can come true with the spiritual things, the things we pray for and seek, but it can also come true in other things also. You can get together with someone and partner to do all kinds of things, good and evil, build foundations or uh, rob banks, whatever the case may be. You can put two heads together and cook up a plan that can play out 
But uh, I think what Jesus is saying here in the faithful spiritual sense, if you can find people of like mind, heart, and spirit to come in agreement for a higher uh, cause, then it can also be, be manifested uh, by our Father that it'll be answered by God. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So I think Jesus is letting us know there that's one of the key elements that it there has to be agreement between the parties, the two or three that are gathered together in agreement. But it also has to be in Christ's name. It has to be a Christian godly higher cause for it to qualify for an answer from above. Otherwise, it can be some of these other things like I just said. It can be business ventures. People can partner up to achieve and accomplish. They can still be accomplished with or without the blessing from God, like robbing a bank or hurting someone or lying in wait for whatever cause that people may do that for. They can still come to fruition. They just won't necessarily come to fruition with God's blessing. Verse 21, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So Peter's saying, How generous do I have to be with this whole forgiveness thing? If someone ticks me off or offends me seven times, is that generous enough? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. So Jesus is saying, If you think forgiving somebody seven times is going the extra mile and being generous Christian in a Christian sense, then multiply that times 70 and then you'll get there. Then you'll realize how willing to forgive we have, we're supposed to be as Christians. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So Jesus is laying out a parable here to help us understand what it's like when it comes to Judgment Day and um, the books being opened and everyone's account being settled. Verse 24, And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So in that Judgment Day, one of the people owed a lot, 10,000 talents. Verse 25, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. So when that Judgment Day arrived for the one who owed a lot, he couldn't pay it. He, It was too much for him. And so the judgment, the sentence was that he be liquidated with all that he had and that the debt he owed be paid. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. So the one who was found wanting a lot, needing a lot, owing a lot, um, begged for mercy and agreed to pay back what was owed. Verse 27, Then the master that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. So in his repentance, he found forgiveness of the debt that he owed, even though it was a whole lot. Verse 28, When that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So just that quickly, just like human, human nature can often be, the person who owed a lot and was hanging on for dear life and then found forgiveness of the debt and release of the debt quickly forgot that he was in the same boat and turned around and passed judgment on someone else, uh, his neighbor. 
and even taking him by the throat, meaning uh, ready to put him to death also for what it is he owed, which turns out to be a fraction of what was owed to the person he was just forgiven from, forgiven by. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. So uh, the same approach that he took, they found him some relief, someone else lesser than him, or who owes less than he does anyway to him is using the same approach thinking probably well it worked for him it should work for me also since i owe a whole lot less verse 30 and he would not but went and threw him in the prison till he should pay the debt so there you see the double standard arises when it's me who needs the help you expect help immediately and thoroughly and and uh fully and then you get it. It sort of describes the 1% in America where, like after, when the pandemic hit, not only were the politicians informed first that it was going to happen so that they could make stock trades that they would face no penalty for doing and even make plenty of money there, then they also get to turn around and let allow some of them to say it's a hoax, even though they were in on the early knowledge of it all, so that they also could make a killing on the gullible who will believe anything they say, even as they say it's a hoax, and catch the disease, watch the people around them die from the disease, and watch drugs being created to vaccinate against and even treat the disease, and still make money off people who still believe their initial announcement that it was a hoax, and with no consequences. That's what you see unfold in America, how the 1% are protected but you see it here also the one percent was forgiven what he owed just like that the wealthy was forgiven the big debt he owed just like that but then he's turned around and decided to extract whatever he can from someone who owed a whole lot less because it was him so when his fellow servants saw what had been done they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done so when the onlookers saw the double standard, they went to the one who could control it all and complained. Verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. So just like uh, when the pandemic hit $2 trillion, just like that, were um, written into the budget, just like that, and 90, I think 95% of it went to the wealthiest 1% who don't even need the money. That's where all that pandemic budget really went. And yet people get to forget it because of all the hoax nonsense, because of the mass shootings that don't get anything done about them, and about all the other pandemic BS that was rolled out intentionally to distract from the fact that the people who are complaining about having to wear a mask are the same people who money, whose money, whose benefits are being ripped right out of their pockets and given to people who don't even need it. The most protected, truly only protected minority in the country, the 1%. And yet you see the same thing happening there, that um, the people are complaining that the one you forgave all that money uh, has turned around and decided to take the gold fillings out of the teeth of the person who owed him a few pennies. Verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? So in a grand scheme of things sort of sense, of course, the one who um, was forgiven more should have that same compassion 
to forgive more since um, they know how it is to owe a lot. And yet you see that's not how it played out with the one who owed a lot when it came to forgiving a little. Verse 34, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So in response to the double standard, the one who holds it all in their hand, who has power over both small and great, took it upon themselves to extract what it was that was owed after all from the wealthy, from the 1%, from the one who was forgiven a great amount of debt, but then turn around and look for the pennies from his neighbor. God, Lord, haste the day when that happens in America to balance the scales of the 1% getting everything and everyone else dividing 5%. How unsustainably sick is that? Verse 35, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So Jesus is saying if we operate with that double standard in our heart and letting that and let that play out in how it is we with how we deal with each other, then expect the same outcome that there'll be a judgment day waiting for you when uh tables will be turned and the balances the scales will be balanced. So like I said, maybe that should be our prayer that Lord haste the day for that balance to come where the 1% face what it is the 99% have to deal with regularly and the 99% equitably get the advantage of what the 1% entitles itself to through the laws and politics and religion. Whatever the case may be, that's the last verse of this chapter, so that's where we're going to end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me. God bless you for joining me, and I hope you'll join me again. I've been doing readings more often than just our Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday readings here lately, just to try and put a dent in these 60-plus books that are in the Bible so that we can get to, partly so that we can get to one of my favorite areas of the Bible, the prophets. Those are some of the most interesting readings to me. Anyway, if you're interested in past readings here, The Naked Truth, you can hear them on this platform, Anchor, Spotify, and others while they last. Or if you're an adult, you can read along with me with the scrolling scriptures um, listed on my website, on my platform, hungtgirl.com. You can click on the pictures. They're actually free videos. And read along with me with the Naked Truth readings there on the Spirit and Soul pages that point to what it is we do here on The Naked Truth to get a better understanding of how red-letter Christianity actually can play itself out in our own paths of life. You can make a donation or just enjoy the free content by enjoying the pictures and other content. I appreciate all of the above. I thank you for all of the above. And again, God bless you for all of the above. See you next time. Thanks again. Peace be with you.